what's up? Welcome back to part two of our three-part mini-series that I'm conducting on the growing world of electronic sports, better known as esports. Last time we talked about Madden and its positioning in the world of esports, its problems, as well as where Madden can go as an esport if given a chance to grow. If you're new to this series, I'm explaining the problems and the successes that certain games have in their respective esports environment. This episode we're going to study the hit mobile league of legends who at the time of writing this is in their quarterfinals of its annual world championships i've been playing league of legends both casually and competitively a bet not pretty good but i'd love it anyway since season two and it was my first introduction to the esports world disclaimer i'm a huge tsm fan like i'm talking huge um, I can be considered a fanboy if you really want me to, but I truly do love TSM, um, not only for esports, but just the way they run their company as well. Um, and this team is a professional League of Legends team. So when I mention examples in this episode, it probably will be about them. And again, it'll just show the love for my team. So I just want to say, um, thank you for listening. Uh, this mini series means a lot to me because I get to do this on an academic level, really get to research what esports mean to not only myself, but to the growing uh, gaming environment. So with the announcements out of the way, let's lock in our pick and talk about the world of esports surrounding League of Welcome back. So this is the part of the podcast where I give a quick mission statement of what I hope to accomplish with every episode. I look to break down a specific subject, esports, and research it as it interacts with a certain game or the gaming industry as a whole. Then I try to give a more academic take on the state of video games in our everyday lives. Usually we want to tie this back to a game and its specific genre, but for this purpose um, of this miniseries, we're going to try to tie it back to the success of esports as a whole and for the game. So, what's an esport? So, the best place for us to begin in this episode, like we did last time, is define exactly what an esport is. A Wikipedia-based answer would be a form of competition that is facilitated by computer systems, in our case video games, the input of players and teams that are mediated by human-computer interfaces. Like I said, it's a mouthful. I even tripped up. That can be a lot to take in if this is your first time interacting with esports. So let's try to break that down. Esports is a form of competition usually pitting together two teams or single competitors in a human facilitated tournament or a series of video games. The players and teams can range from sponsor teams, such as my boys TSM and Clout9, to individual players without a team backing. So, if TSM wanted to sponsor your boy and be the first team on an officially sponsored podcast, I wouldn't be opposed to it. So, TSM, if you're out there, hook your boy up. 
These teams can be seen as an equivalent to, let's say, the Patriots or the Falcons of the respected eSport. And the top eSports in the environment right now are Fighters and MOBAs or Multi-Online Battle Arena. I love these two sections of eSports. I'm an active member in both of them. But close behind are shooters such as Counter-Strike Go and Call of Duty. Esports is really growing in viewership. According to the Global Esports Market Report, it was reported that the audience that watched at least one esport reached 226 million. So this means other than me, a lot of people watch it. And it is continuously growing at a rapid pace. So this is a really quick synopsis of what an esport is. So in this episode, we'll be discussing League of Legends and how it became the giant of the esports world that we know of it today. Hello and welcome back. So enough of introductions, let's talk about League of Legends. League of Legends is the brainchild of Brandon Beck and Mark Merrill. Armed with two computers and an idea, they set out to create Dota's spiritual successor. Dota is just another famous multi-online battle arena. That's not important. We're talking about League today. The game is heavily influenced by Dota with the top lanes, the bottom lanes, and the mid lanes on the map which two teams of five inhabit and kill minions and other players to earn gold and items to destroy enemy team structures. League of Legends created a lower barrier of entry by stripping the game of unnecessary mechanics they saw in Dota. Some of these mechanics would be losing gold when dying, and I cannot imagine losing gold if I die. Sometimes your boy has bad games and it's really not pretty, but... I would like to see my gold stay steady as I keep dying continuously. League of Legends also creates a roster of unique and new champions rather than copy archetypes or just influences from other MOBA games. In 2009, League of Legends was fully released and had about 20,000 concurrent players. In 2011, Riot, Beck, and Merrill's company held its first world championship, which had about 1.6 million viewers and the trophy was held by the European esports team, Fnatic. So, fun fact. Fnatic is the only non-Asian-based team to win the World Championship. The following year, the championship only grew, and the event grew uh, to a viewership of 8 million. Only I... Okay, I can go on and on about League of Legends, its facts, it, its history, but as you guys can hear... League is growing, and it's growing fast. Let's break down what makes League of Legends a great example of an esports environment that is both professionally and viewershiply king. League of Legends is king, and I'm going to explain why. League of Legends is unique compared to Madden that we talked about last time. This game was specifically made to create an esports slash competitive environment. League of Legends and MOBAs are king of esports. It's because of the developer support, the professional teams and sponsorships working so hand-to-hand -hand and 
uh, working around each other and with each other to create a unified message and the community that is practically a grassroots following that has been with the game since it came out. Now let's dive deeper into what makes League and its developer support so special and how it creates a thriving professional environment that invites not only investors but viewers to become just not passive but active in its gaming ecosystem. So developer support. Riot, ever since the release of League of Legends, they have supported it with an influx of champions and original content. Beck and Merrill made a point to show that the game is constantly at a point that the, envir that the environment can change for a player from patches to buffs or make another player stronger or make another character weaker or just to add new game modes mid-season to change it up and give the player something new to play things um, out so things don't get stagnant for them. This shows that the developers made the game to support not only that physical game itself, but the constant multiplayer environment. Riot made a developer promise to focus on fun gameplay and clear abilities, rather than updating graphics and other factors in games that can kind of up the barrier of entry for people who might not have a system that can run higher taxing games. So when I first started League of Legends, my computer could not even run Microsoft Word at 60 frames per second if if there was a 60 frames per second microsoft word that would be weird to see your words no no matter but my computer could not run the most simplest program but i downloaded league it took four or five days but i downloaded it and i instantly could play at a stable 30 to 45 fps even on my slow older base computer so Merrill said they want to build the Honda and not the Rolls Royce. This means they wanted everybody to be able to play. They want the more affordable, more non-taxing experience so everybody can play and not the higher end experience that some games go for. This conscious effort of creating a game with a lower barrier of entry is a factor of the support that Riot created and developed for its mass amount of players. Another mark of developer support for the game was the creation of the competitive matchmaking system. This gives players a ranking from bronze to challenger. And that gives players that are really, really serious about the game a chance to better themselves and play competition in or around their skill level. This matchmaking system addressed the flaw they saw in Dota because it skewed the skill level within a match so much that you can have a professional Dota player being matched with a low-ranking new player to the competitive scene. So to put that in an, an example, that would be like me entering the ring against Mike Tyson in his prime. I would not stand a chance. I would be running around. Like that episode of iCarly where uh, Carly had to fight that um, one really good fighter and she just clung onto her leg. That would be me. But I do that in ranked anyway. So it's just it's just really cool seeing how they saw a flaw in the game that they really liked and tried to work and to improve in that game. So this did not breed the natural competition that Riot wanted, the older model of competition in a more skewed base skill level so they wanted to create a game to watch 
their players develop the skills to not only go from bronze to silver to gold to plat, but to actually see their players improve and learn the game at a constant improving rate. The last mark of developer support that I want to mention before moving on to teams and sponsorships is the dedication to creating a professional league that Riot had. Like I mentioned in the first episode of this series, to create a league, the developer must be a supporter and a lifeline that the players and teams can look toward so they have upward mobility and protection in their region of the world. This this meant that Riot, when creating the different championship leagues and when they took ownership of these leagues from the ESL, they operated in the red or had a negative loss for quite a while. But because they knew how important developing a sound infrastructure was to the survivability of a multiplayer environment, they took that time to create those different LCS leagues in not only America but Europe. And then that spawned the Asian leagues and the Oceania leagues and the Brazilian leagues. And with them having control of their own game, even though they operated in the red for a little bit, they showed that they're dedicated to creating that esports environment that people could thrive in and that people could actually master their crafts and hone their crafts to really be successful in their lives and not worry about when that next uh, meal is coming, but to worry about how can I get better with my character that I'm using to make sure that I'm playing at my top level each week and helping my team make it to Worlds or win the summer or the spring split. The developer creation of this infrastructure led to the emergence of our next topic of why League of Legends is truly king, and it is because of its players. Truly, the players make League of Legends successful, and the teams that they play on also help spread the name of League of Legends as well as the name of esports in general. So, let's talk about professional teams and sponsorships. What is different? From League of Legends as an esport versus Madden as an esport, it solely relies on skill and your teammate skill. Whereas Madden, one player can play against another player and it can be seen as a multiplayer match. But you don't need 10 other players to fill the other field and rely on them to play. Like I to- told you in the last episode, AI really played an important part into why Madden is really not a good esport model right now but in league of legends you need a full team of five equally skilled players uh or four three two maybe you could carry the team but you need five other players to even play the game and queue up so each player has to be ready for their skill and know their skill levels so that they can compete at a higher level This sets League of Legends and other MOBAs apart from other one-on-one based competition games because you have to rely on not only your skill but your teammate skill to make sure that your team is performing as one and as a unit. With this, advertisers and marketers see an opportunity to sponsor not only one player but a team of five players who all have their own unique audience but they also share a same community which would be their League of Legends team or like an all-star team that they've been on 
and this can create overlap and introduction to a new product for a unique viewer that only watches a certain player or a certain team. This then leads to an idea and implement implementation of sponsorships for not only a team, but an individual player. For this topic, I'm going to try to break it down using a real world example. I'm going to use my favorite player Bjergsen as an example of how the system of professional teamwork works and how sponsorships for a team and players also work and interact with each other. So Bjergsen is the mid laner for Team Solo Mid. I told you you're going to get tired of me talking about Team Solo Mid, but I can't help it. That's just how I write my scripts and how I watch League. So he began playing um, professionally at the age of 16, playing in smaller tournaments. But at the age of 17, he was given the mid lane starting position for TSM in 2013. Bjergsen is the common example of people starting their professional career around 16 to 17. In his first full split, which is equivalent to a season in other sports, he won MVP of the split award. And this began the rise of sponsorships for Bjergsen and Team Solomid. Sponsors like Red Bull, T-Mobile, Logitech, and many others rushed to sponsor not only Team Solomid, but Bjergsen separately as well. Because he showed his prowess on the rift, or on the field, the the playing field is called uh, Summoner Trift, so if I say rift, that's what I mean. They uh, He he showed his prowess on the, on the rift so well that teams rushed to put money behind them to put their name behind this high-skilled player. So an example of that would be if LeBron James was brand new into the league and he scores 50 points in 40 straight games, Nike's rushing to sign him, Under Armour's trying to rush to sign him. All these different sponsors are trying to sign a brand new talent and have their name behind this talent for time to come. These partnerships help grow not only the culture of LOL Esports, but the players themselves. By aligning themselves with youthful brands, this gives them more exposure on different pr promotional items for that sponsors. So sponsors, like I mentioned last time, aren't able to align themselves with Madden players because they don't have that same core infrastructure that the developer created like Riot did for League. But they also don't form encourage the formation of professional teams as a whole unit. The great thing about League of Legends and its leagues, it gives us teams to cheer for. We can't watch the NFL and not cheer for our favorite team uh i cheer for the eagles every week week in week out shout out to the boy carson wentz but it's the teams that drive me to watch the games every week uh the rivalries we create between uh the teams and the storylines that we can change each game is as out is astounding for league of legends or for esports in general we as viewers get to put our own rivalries our own uh stake into different players and actually project ourselves onto that player so when Bjergsen's going against uh Pobelter or against Faker I'm like that's my boy I'm supporting him no matter what it's me versus Faker's me versus Pobelter and it's really cool just seeing how the different storylines change depending on the matchup they're having that day 
This is actually one of my favorite things about esports, especially team-based esports. I'd rather watch TSM go against CLG than I will watch the Eagles play against the Redskins. I just feel that I'm more invested in this realm of the game than I am in the realm of, of the football field. Esports can also give you a different perspective of how to th- play the game as well. Your favorite team can create a unique team comp or team composition with five players you think have no synergy at all and just blow the opposing team out of the water. This motivates people, especially me, to pick up my mouse and try to play a unconventional champion in the jungle because Fetzgarin went 10 kills, 2 deaths, and 17 assists with that random champion. Whereas I know I can never play against uh, the Redskins and personally th- throw 4 TDs in a game. Uh, so that gives a different perspective of playing a game and knowing that you can imitate or go into a game and try to be a professional against like something in Madden where you know that you most likely aren't going to play on Sundays. But the professional teams create a brand new depth and dedication to the esport environment that other games not in this genre really doesn't have. And I want to talk more about that community that drives um, support with the teams, the community that goes to all player streams that comment on streamers uh different posts on twitter and facebook it's these people within the community that truly make league of legends or esports stand out compared to uh football games or basketball uh games it really is this grassroots community that really makes league of legends and esports uh grow and what makes them stand apart from our other fandoms that we're a part of. So my final point on why league is the quintessential esport is actually really simple. And it's because of people like me, people like you that are potentially listening and want to watch a league of legends match. It is people like us that drive league up into those viewership points or viewership marks and breaks a record, um, a streaming record each year during Worlds. It is us that really create that hype and that excitement around League of Legends and esports. The community drives an esport, like I mentioned with Madden, and League of Legends community is no different. From Reddit posts to Discord servers, League of Legends ha- has a massive community with over 67 million people playing League every month. The community spawns professionals from all over. You can be 16 ranked number one in the challenger ladder and be picked up to an individual team. Or you can shoutcast your college's games and work your way up to the LCS. You just never know, but you always can be a part of the community no matter your age, no matter your stage in life. You can always pick up League of Legends and work and hone your craft. And you could even become a professional if you hone it and play long enough. The people that play and call League of Legends home makes the interactions between the developer and the game something to note and experience. Don't get me wrong. The community isn't all nice and sweet. There are people that will get mad and rage because you died in the first five minutes. 
Not everyone can be a professional, but everyone can imitate and play the game like the professionals play. I might not know the difference between the intricacies of a lane swap and a jungle invade, but I do know I can watch and imitate a jungle invade and tell my team, let's try this. The bottom line is the community can create the next king of the mid lane or the next iconic voice of the LCS. But they all have to start somewhere. And that somewhere is the ever-growing and passionate League of Legends community found on the internet. Or found in your local city or your local gaming PC lounge. Our community is huge. And I say our because I'm a part of it as well. I would love to hone my craft and be that next iconic voice and be that next uh, shoutcaster for worlds. And if I wanted to, I could. Which is something unique that esports gives us as a participant and viewer. We can be that next voice if we sit down and work hard enough. I'm sorry, but I personally don't see myself uh, waking up at 3 o'clock every morning uh, doing drills and stuff. Trying to crack into the NFL because that's not a viable option for me. But I can hone my craft and hone my League of Legends skills to hopefully make it into challenger and get noticed by a team because once you're in the higher ranks of league of legends you're playing against professionals and that that gets your name around and get your name talking with other different people so the community is really important and if you find yourself really engrossed into this community it's going to give back and you can uh really be a part of league and that growing uh state that league is in right now now with all that that does not mean league of legends doesn't have problems and i want to illustrate these problems before we wrap up first the barrier of entry is still there even though your computer can run <laughs> league of legend the skill gap is something you will have to master most professionals had to learn at least three or four champions in each lane so when they aren't playing their main position, they can still perform optimally. This will take time along with learning the constant flux of new champions in different patches. The player who wants to be the professional has to always be in a constant state of learning to always be at the top of leaderboards. Regional skills skill gap. This is something I've noticed in League of Legends especially in the professional scene. If you are not from Korea or China, good luck winning Worlds. I say this because every World since 2012 has been won by somebody from these countries. The regional skill gap is huge, and the Koreans have a monopoly on the game. So much so that the North American teams have, have to import people like Piglet, who was the attack damage carry for SKT Telecom T1, who won Worlds in 2014 and came on as the starting ADC for Team Curse, who was rebranded to Team Liquid. Don't get me wrong, I love my Korean teams, and I love watching them play because they approach the game very differently than uh, the European and American teams. But once you win so many Worlds in a row, it kind of does get boring. But skill gap has to catch up to skill gap. And this skill gap can be seen 
as a downfall and as a discouragement to non-European-based teams who constantly lose in multiple tournaments to never stick with a core team, but to replace with as many imports to try to win and break the streak. This also discourages local teams that want to rise together, rise as a rank together, and compete in the championship series. Because if your team does happen to make it to the LCS and you guys are professionals and you hopefully make it to Worlds, because let's be honest, I want any North American team or European team to make it to Worlds and really perform well, but you get 3-0'd by a Korean team and you're like, oh, one of those Korean team people are a free agent. Why not bring him home? to us and have him play for us and then we start losing the uniqueness of an american-based team because once you start integrating different tactics and different people and different personalities we we become more of a standard uh team more than a unique like let's say all american team or an all european-based team or a one or few import team uh because once we once they lose that identity it can kind of not help the regional skill skill gap grow but further increase that skill gap because not enough of those unique regional players are getting enough uh experience within their own region i know i'm i'm kind of being a hypocrite right now because my favorite player is on a North American team, and he's Danish, and he's an import. But I I see it as like one or two imports aren't that bad, and League of Legends did institute a rule where they can't uh, import a lot of different players, and I understand why they do so, so you don't have a, a North American team with all Koreans. That doesn't help. That doesn't help the skill gap, and the only way we can help uh, help improve skill gap or close the skill gap is for us to look at other regions see what they're doing and try to not imitate it but work around it try to work against it and i guess that's what the boot camps they uh the professional teams go for um go to it really helps uh look at their different perfect their different skill gaps and they play in that different region to get to know what that region does constantly and differently and if we can bring that back and constantly change our ways and not stay stay stuck in our, oh, this is how America does it, this is how we're going to do it. No, um, I believe if we're going to change this regional skill gap, we're going to have to experiment with different team comps, different characters, just like other regions are doing. Um, but that's just something that I noticed. And the last problem I want to mention with League of Legends is the baseline prop policies with owners and the creators of the game last year tsm's owner reginald win also known as reggie made some remarks on the financial health of players and the system of pay between riot and its professional players mel brings up a point that since esports is growing owners want to have a stake in a team in every esport um while they think um it's new and growing and this can hurt league of legends and those owners because they're uh, investing in other games because 
the League of Legends uh, players are getting shafted for it. Merrill brought up a point that the owners are to pl- blame for the expansion into other esports. But Riot has also left a lot of owners no choice but to expand to other games to find a non-risky and more secure spot in the top leagues. Because given the LCS's deregulation system, it can make a once top tier team uh, turn from competing for a world championship or a LCS split championship to a last slot in the LCS or even a deregulated team. This hurts the income for players because they do not know where that security is coming from. Let's say, hopefully, this will never happen. Hopefully, I'm praying that TSM goes awful in one split and they face um, delegation. And delegation is scary for that team because if they get delegated, they're not in the LCS anymore. They're probably going to lose sponsors. They probably lose um, a ton of players. They're probably going to leave. So the face of your franchise is all depending on not being deregulated and also having that support from Riot. So what Reggie is saying that the League of Legends players and its owners are getting shafted because they don't have that security that other esports have. So other games like Counter-Strike Go and Hearthstone and other games are have more financial security and can be relied on heavier than what we see in L- in the LCS and League of Legends. Riot also has created more restrict restrictive measures when it comes to sponsors and showing them on let's say LCS broadcasts and streams. So TSM sponsor T-Mobile and um, HTC and Logitech. Let's say they wanted to come to a LCS game to see their team that they're sponsoring. They can't go backstage to interact with the players that they sponsor. They can't go on screen and talk to different players while they're on screen because Riot is restricting these different measures. But Let's say Logitech's like, okay, you have to play with our mouses and show our logo during these type of games. And if not, we're going to withdraw our uh, sponsorship. And that ultimately hurts the team. And if that hurts the team, that team cannot keep performing at the higher level. And therefore, if that's a high-respected team such as like Cloud9 or CLG or TSM, you can lose a lot of people and lose a lot of revenue from that. Now, another big problem that uh, Reggie mentioned in this post was teams are also not given a cut of the LCS revenue at all. This is different from traditional sports models. And I read a really good article that can sum uh, this whole argument up in a couple of sentences. So, and I quote, <clears throat> It's not as if Riot is the NFL, but instead an organization that owns the sport of football as a whole. And if you try to play it elsewhere, you will be shut down. On top of that, they pay the analysts who call their games, they reap the revenue from the broadcasting rights and ticket sales, and they have a direct hand in player salaries too. 
because they control all this. They also have a say in how sponsorships are dealt and used to some degree with players and teams. If you don't like any of this aspect, you can leave and simply not have a league presence at all. So with that, that really discourages different sponsors to get involved. And in a growing environment, you want as much influx of money, viewers, uh, sponsorships as available because if you have that money coming in, that viewership coming in, the environment has no choice but to grow outward and not inward because you constantly would get new fans, new teams, new owners, new capital capital venture venturelists you'll you'll uh venture capitalists sorry my bad and you'll you'll just continue to keep growing which is what esports needs if they want to be on that espn uh two broadcast during their finals or espn for that matter we dream big as an esports community we want to be considered a sport we want to be considered serious and one way for us to be considered serious is if sponsors and other big name brands see see us seriously as well. We can we can cry wolf and be like, I am a real sport. I'm a real sport. I'm a real boy. We 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 train, we practice, we work just as hard as any other sport. But if we don't have that brand recognition to get our name out there as a sport. That hurts us. That hurts Riot. That hurts the viewers. That hurts the community that supports you very hard. That truly puts our hearts into it. That hurts us. So, in all actuality, if Riot keeps restricting the sponsorships like this, it's not helping at all. It's hurting different teams. And that could even... Have some teams move and try to uh, adjust their wages. So that would hurt the players as well. And your players are your lifeblood. Especially in esports games. You don't have a pool to continue continuously pick from. It's these players that you find and support and grow. Um, that really is your lifeblood. So those are the really big problems that I see for League. But like I said... League is still king and has a really strong presence in the current ecosystem of esports as we know it. So we talked about a lot today. We talked about developer support. We talked about grassroots community. We talked about players, sponsorships, and teams. And we also talked about the different problems that League of Legends has from its restrictive measures to regional skill gaps to barrier of entry. Now, let's try to relate this back to see why League is ultimately successful and why esports is successful. League is successful for the fact that anyone can play it. It's free to play. You don't have to pay anything. You All your stuff is skill-based, skill to win, not pay to win. And... When you introduce something that's not pay to win and people know that it's their skill to succeed, if they use their skill to succeed and they know that if they keep working and grinding and grinding and be uh, constantly on that grind, 
they're going to work and work out hard and their friends are going to be like, what game are you playing? Why, why, why are you playing this game so much? I guess I should give it a try. Then they start grinding and then they start grinding. And it's that like multiplying like factor of things. And that creates a community. And therefore those create people that are better than other people within the community that creates a professional environment then that creates the drive and the force and the natural competition that esports gives. So, like I said last time we um, we talked about Madden, natural competition is really what drives esports and what makes it prevalent in what we have now. That drive to be the best um, in a match, that drive to be the best in your friend group, that drive to be the best in the world, drives esports and that's different than the nfl or the nba you're you're pushing yourselves to win a national ring at home but you're not playing the world because the nfl has the best football players in the world and the nba has the best basketball players in the world esports is global and it has a global market you can be the best in south na but are you the best in, like, New York, North America, or the best in West um, North America? Probably, maybe, hopefully. But esports gives us a chance to play anybody, anywhere, around the world at any time. So we can change servers to play on the Korean servers and play against the best of the best. Or we can change servers and play in the... Uh, London servers to play uh, a brand new style of game and traditional sports just doesn't have that yes they travel and do travel games but they don't play that competition there and that competition isn't the same or on that same level that they are on whereas esports you never know who's on your same level you never know who's the same in your competition and that creates such a unique environment unique atmosphere for each and every esport so if we're going to tie this all back to the success of esports we can look at it from the league of legends perspective as a global market for not only teams and players but a global market for a community to actually be a part in take part in and to actually thrive and uh experience hands-on and actually be the bringer of change if one person is or a group of people around the world is doing really well at one champion and it's seen by riot they say oh okay that's a broken champion let's fix it nowhere else in in like the traditional realm of sports can the league like diminish a player the nba cannot go like hey lebron you can only play 15 minutes you just can't do that they can't that therefore loosens the hold of competition that the nba thrives on whereas esports and uh in league of legends especially Buffs and patches help uh, create that natural com- environment for competition. They make things balanced. Uh, 
in a good way, un- unlike in Madden, where if you balance something, it hurts the authenticity of the game. But if we balance something in League of Legends, that ultimately helps League of Legends in as as a whole. Now, we're going to wrap this up and uh, get to our end tag. But I want to just say that thank you guys for listening. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to give you a longer speech at the very end. But thank you guys for listening. Uh, listening to me rant about League of Legends. Um, I really loved researching the history of League of Legends and actually looking and trying to find problems with a game I love so much. Trust me, it was hard. It was hard trying to find things that League of Legends does wrong as an eSport. But I hopefully uh, gave you guys a chance and a glimpse to look inward at a huge game in League of as as League of Legends in the esports community, uh, in Madden we saw a smaller game uh, that has a lot of potential. In this episode, we ha- we see a game that has that po- that star potential and uses that star potential, and can even grow into a worldwide phenomenon, or a oh, even bigger phenomenon than it already is. So let me stop my ranting and let's do this last break. And get to the intact. We learned that a lot of people watch League of Legends. Upwards of 8.1 million people watch League of Legends. We also learned that a lot of people play League of Legends. About 67 million people. And we learned that my favorite team is TSM. And I, and I really, really love Yerkson and clicking a mouse over a thousand times in a 50-minute span. But on a serious note, League of Legends might not be perfect. But it's an amazing esport and game to play on a competitive level. Well, that marks the end of the second episode of the podcast miniseries. If today's your birthday, happy birthday. If you want to play with me in League of Legends, shoot me a tweet at GAS underscore podcast or email me at gameandstudypodcast at gmail.com. Remember, bless up and peace.